You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So I'm Paul Glenn. Uh, I have uh, been a part of Grace for, uh, man, almost 20 years at this point. Um, started out as a congregation member, actually went on staff for a number of years, did uh, uh, executive administration pastor for, uh, for Grace for a lot of years. Uh, started leading the East Lincoln campus when we initiated it and then came to Statesville when Statesville became a third campus. Uh, led here for three years and now I work for our denomination if you didn't know that. So this is home. This is our family. This is where we worship. Uh, we live right here in Troutman. So if you've not had the opportunity to meet me, um, I'd love to meet you at some point and uh, get to know you. But um, it is my privilege since Pastor Sam is on uh, a trip today. He's on vacation. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's his wedding anniversary weekend, right? Is it a big one, like 30th or some, 35th or something? I think it's a big one. Um, but anyway, uh, and you know, uh, Betsy says he's a lucky duck. So um, <laughs> he, he is. Um, but anyway, I, so I get to fill in. Uh, we have been, as a church, we have been participating in a sermon series for the last three weeks. And I'm going to ask that you would put this up. This is amazing to me. Um, actually, show the map. So the great thing is, is we as three campuses, we've always done sermons together. We're actually participating with the body of Christ in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg greater area um, and there are 100 churches that represent 60,000 people who are doing this sermon series together so that we can love our community, right? That we learn as the body of Christ, not we learn as Grace Covenant members, but we learn as the body of Christ how to love our neighbor. And so we're doing something. I think we always know that we're a part of the bigger body of Christ, but today we're actually participating, like all doing the same thing as the bigger body of Christ. And these churches have been participating so that 60,000 believers in our area will know what it means to love their neighbor, right? And to be the body of Christ. I'm gonna tell you what, that many people getting it will transform a community, right? It will transform a community. And if you can transform a community, you can transform a state, and I'm telling you, if you ever transform a state, we will transform a nation. And right now, we need to transform a nation. That's not a political statement. That's just a fact, right? There's some things that we need to transform as a nation. But anyway, we've been in this series for the last three weeks. And the way we sum this up is this. Galatians chapter 5 is kind of um, the verse that we've been holding to. And it says this, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so for the last couple of weeks, in week one, we talked about what does it mean to, uh, what are the characteristics, you know, of a good neighbor. We talked about that there's, um, to be aware of the opportunities. And we talked about um, to be motivated by compassion and um, taking the initiative to be a good neighbor. And we even talked about um, being willing, like to go uh, step out of our comfort zones, right? And to uh, go beyond uh, being inconvenienced and kind of go above and beyond. And then in week two, um, we kind of really like got honest and we said there's two big things that hold us back from living this verse out. And one is uh, this idea of a time barrier, like because we're all living busy lives. I don't know anybody who says, yeah, man, I've just been hanging out. I got nothing to do. I just, I just like, 
can you help me? Like, I don't know what to do. Man, I'm hearing people in retirement say they've been busier than they've ever been before, right? I talked to people this week. I, talked, I was in a group of pastors uh, over the weekend, and a lot of them were retired. And I'm like, how's it going? I'm like, dude, retirement is way busier than, than I was when I was in ministry. I'm like, that's not possible. I'm, like, I'm telling you, right? Because we live busy lives as Americans, we do. And so there's this barrier of time, but then there's also this idea of uh, a fear, right? It's, it's the fear of, um, well, will they think I'm weird? Will they, what will they think of me? Will they, uh, will they reject me? Will they um, push back? Will they, we, we live with these exceptions, these fears, and most of them, most of the time they're unfounded, right? But we, because it's the unknown, we fear it. And so we talked about the reality of that. This morning, I get the privilege to kind of finish this sermon series. And what we want to talk about is, is really the applications of that. We're going to really go from um, not just theory, but we're going to start taking it to what does it practically look like to do that. But if we're really honest, um, when it comes to neighboring, knowing where to start um, is sometimes the hardest step. And moving from theory to practice we can sometimes um, become immobilized, and we're just trying to figure out what do we do. Well, before we get going in our sermon today, I want to—I've asked them to play this uh, this video because sometimes I think uh, we just need a visualization, right, before we have a realization. Is that okay? So, if you watch this video for a second. For barbecue lovers, Brad's Barbecue in Oxford, Alabama, is heaven on earth. But 80-year-old nope, Eleanor Baker says her visit here earlier this month. That's not the one. Um, you know, there was the one over the hallway and... That's okay. It's not their fault. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's just hold that. And uh, they can... I'll like, give them time to figure that out. But let me tell you what, what we do... Um, our real goal in becoming a, a neighbor is we have to move ourselves from being strangers to acquaintances and from acquaintances to relationship. That's what we have to do. We have to work ourselves and move ourselves um, through that. And um, you guys, I tell you what, just don't worry about the video. I'll explain it, right? Because I'm not sure that um, we may or may not have it. So let me tell you... Um, what this video, that actually Pastor Sam actually sent it to me. He says, you're going to love this. And I, I did. I loved it. Um, it was a lady and she represented her busy life. She's going up an elevator into her apartment. She is surrounded by crowded people and they are all doing this. And you can tell that she has had a difficult day. It's, it's written all over her face. And she, walk, and she rides up the elevator. And she's looking at all the people. She just wants someone to say you're there I, I see you right and they do this and they all get off the elevator and they go down the hallway and they all peel off into their apartments and she goes into her apartment and as she gets into her apartment her daughter's sitting there and her daughter's got an ipad and a computer screen up and she's looking at all of this and she walks in and the daughter doesn't notice and she drops a bag on the ground oh we got it yes we have it it's even better this is way better if you see it than if I describe it.
That's a, a video for, like, food. But it is a video for so much more, isn't it? That's what love looks like. And it's not complicated. I mean, the, the biggest thing they did is they, like, literally put a table in a hallway and put their, brought their meal to the table, right? And the rest happened. And I would tell you that I wanted to you to see this visualization because what, this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about what is the art. It's an art form to be a neighbor, and it's really simple. Some of you say, I can't even color well. I can't even stay in the lines. I promise you can do this, though, right? Because it's not, it doesn't require an art degree. You don't have to know the difference between acrylics and pastels, and you don't know how to, you don't have to know any of that. You just have to be able to, to love, Right? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about moving from stranger to acquaintance. From acquaintance to a relationship. And how easy it is. Right? It's not this complex doctrine that you have to be able to quote. It's really just manifesting the love of Christ. So there's a text that we have this morning. And that is in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Uh, through 32, and I'm going to read some of this to you, and then we want to talk about this. So in verse 27, Luke says this. He's talking of Jesus. He says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I love this. They asked his disciples, but it says, But Jesus answered, Oh, you're in trouble now, buddy. But Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come to call, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
There's some things that we want you to see in here this morning before we still, that are concepts before we actually move to the practicals. So what do we see in this text? There's a couple things. The first thing is that Levi was encountered by Jesus and it changed his life. Now, here's the interesting thing we can, if you kind of pause and kind of look at what's there based on some things that actually Pastor Sam taught us a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, is this. One, Levi is smart. He's smart enough to have what would be a professional job. He's smart enough that he's actually working for the government. I know some of you are saying, like, I know government people. and like, But no, in this day and age, at least these government workers had some kind of... Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. But according to Pastor Sam, when he was talking a few weeks ago, he said that Matthew would have had an education. We would have had what he called Beth Safer. It was the primary education where they all learned and studied... Um, the Torah, right? The law. They all had that to like 10 years old, right? All the boys. And so then um, if they showed promise, they would have gone on to um, what he called uh, Beth, uh, Beth Talmud. It was the higher education. It was uh, basically till they were about 12 or 13, right? And that was because they showed the ability in that they would have studied and memorized not just the Torah, um, um, but they would have the, the whole, the law and the prophets, everything. They would have like studied the whole Talmud. And then if they could be, uh, if they could show promise and, and possibility to a rabbi, then a rabbi would take them in, right? And they would go to the next, which was, was, was they called it Beth Midrash. And basically it's like the Ivy Leagues, right? They would have done that. And that's what they all wanted. Like if you had been taken through that, the idea was you apply to a rabbi and like, but the problem was they didn't take everybody, right? It was very, very selective. And so here we find someone who's got an education that's beyond the base, right? So he probably went to the next one. And since he's not a rabbi, he probably didn't make it up into the Ivy Leagues, right? But he's smart. And here comes a rabbi and says, Levi, come follow me. Dude, that is like saying, you just got an all-expense trip to Harvard, right? Come on, right? And so he, he's like picked up and he went, right? And it says that he followed him. So what would you do in a situation like that? He would celebrate, right? He celebrates. So he has this party at his house. And so uh, jumping kind of a little ahead in your little bulletins things there, um, the reality is, is that this is the first block party recorded in the New Testament, Right? <laughs> He has, this, he has this party, and, and the crazy thing is, is that because he brought the people that he knew, it's the people who were far from God, right? Because it says, like, why are you hanging out with publicans and sinners, right? These weren't people who, who were part of the religious. They were, they were out there, right? And so we see that, that, that there's this concept of bringing people. Well, if you step back up to the, the bulletin, I just kind of jumped over there for just a half a second, Levi took the initiative to invite his neighbors and his friends using a common need, food, right? We've often said it over the years, why is it that every time church people get together, they have to have food? Well, that's because the food is good. That's why we do it, right? Because we have good cooks. Yeah, there's bigger, it's bigger than that, right? It's bigger than that. Let me tell you something. So I, I've, told some, I've told some of you this, like, in private conversations. I just finished my master's last summer, 
Um, dumbest thing I ever did was go back to school after 30 years. Dumbest thing ever. What was I thinking? Um, but we finished it. And in the midst of that, I had to do some research. Well, one of the things that I was researching for and some of the things that I came across, I found this out. In every culture of the world today, every culture of the world today, if you are invited to a meal, if you are invited to have dinner at my house, or if you're invited to have dinner in my hallway, you're in. You're accepted. I accept you for who you are. And that's the same for you and for me. Why? Because you're just like me. You don't invite your neighbors over that you don't like. Let's be honest. We all have a neighbor we don't like. Anybody here loves all your neighbors. That's what I thought. Right? But it's true. Right? There's, there's people that we like, oh. And so what we instinctively and kind of naturally do is we, when, when we do invite people, there is this level of acceptance that is inferred. It's built in. It's there. Right? And so it's true here is that um, Levi is basically saying, hey, these are my friends. And like the, the rabbis accepted me. So like, like I, I, if I'm in, like I, I, what I know and what I learned, like you're in too. Like they weren't being accepted, but there's this ex- you know what I mean? Like there's this connection of acceptance in Levi's house. And what's more, is Jesus the rabbi is there. He's sitting at the table with them. They were having a good time. Because the religious people, they didn't like it. I promise you this was one heck of a party. So how do we move, right? How do we move beyond these concepts into real life practice? That's what I want to talk to you about today. I got it four points. We're going to talk through it. But the idea is that we want to really move into like what do I do, right? Theory has been good, but now let's move into real life stuff. The first thing we're going to do if we're going to move from theory to practice is this. We're going to embrace the risk and take the first step. Now, I love this story in Matthew of when Jesus comes walking on the water, right? And so if you pick that up in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 28, um, Peter sees it. Everybody's freaked out. Everybody's scared when he says, hey, it's me. And he says, Lord, if it's really you, would you tell me to come to you on the water? And Jesus says, come, right? Come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. And when he saw the wind, um, he was afraid. And he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, what's not in verse 30, where kind of our text starts, I want to capture verse 31 also. Because that's where Jesus immediately reached out his hand, caught him, and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I'm going to tell you, for years... Most of my life, I have believed a couple of things. First off, what do I want to say first? This is so perplexing to me today. For a lot of years, I thought that Jesus was calling Peter out. Pete, uh-uh. you had no faith. Why did you, why did you doubt? That is not what is happening here. And I've only later in life realized that. And here's why. Because it's not in Christ's nature to do that. Think about it. That is not the nature of Christ. 
But what the nature of Christ is able to do is he is actually able to say, Pete, dude, you had a little faith, man. Why did you stop? Why did you doubt? Because Jesus says in Matthew 13 and in Luke 13, I'm sorry, Matthew 13 and Luke 13, yes. Jesus, both of them says, you need how much faith? Just like a mustard seed, right? And in those same books, in chapter 17 of Matthew and of Luke, he says, if you've got this little amount, you can move mountains, right? So Peter had just enough. He said to him, Peter, you had a little. Why did you doubt? See, what he was saying was, Pete, you had it, dude. You had it. You were there. He wasn't calling him out. He was showing him that he had it. And I know some of us, we say, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I, that I have it that way. I don't know that I have a lot of faith. And I'm saying, you don't have to. You don't have to have a lot of faith. You have to do what Peter did. Here's the other perspective I have from this verse. And that is this. Is that it wasn't Jesus' idea. Jesus didn't say, hey, anybody in there, if you think it's me, go on, come on out here. Peter said, no, if it's you, it was Peter's idea. If that's you, Lord, then let me come out to you. See, Peter was willing to say, I'm, I'm down. I'm out. Right? That's us. That's being a good neighbor. We have to be willing to take the first step. We have to look at a moment, see a life, see what's going on, and think, oh, I think Christ is in the middle of this at this moment. Lord, if this is you, can I come out? And I'm telling you, if you'll listen, the whisper of the Holy Spirit will say, God, step into it. I want to touch this life. I want to be a neighbor to this person. I want them to experience my love. Come. We have to be willing to take the first step. And it's okay if it's our idea. See, Peter, with his own idea, met Christ. And with a little faith, he pulled off something that nobody else did. And it wasn't just the 12. If you'll go back and study, I just recently figured this one out too. If you go back and study... The 70 hadn't left him yet. It wasn't just 11 other people in that boat. It was a lot of people in that boat. Peter was the only one. He stepped out. He saw. He took it. You and I, when we're willing to trust God and move in obedience, the doors of opportunity are going to open. But we have to choose to take the first step to be a neighbor. This is the practicality of it. So the second thing, if we're going to move from theory into practice, right, we have to know that small sacrifices can lead to greater opportunity. Then John chapter 6, um, there's a great crowd of people here, right? They've been following Jesus. There's this great crowd. And it says that when Jesus looked up and he saw the great crowd coming, he said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for all these people, Right? And in verse 6, it actually says this. He asked this only to test him for Jesus already knew what he was going to do. I love that. See, Jesus already had a plan. He didn't didn't need Philip to come up with a plan. Jesus had a plan. He, He needed Philip to, like, step into the moment, right? He needed the disciples to step into the moment. And just in summary of what happens next... 
Philip, first off, he says, hey, man, this is going to cost like a half a year's wages. I mean, this is going to cost us a lot of money. This is going to cost a lot of bread for this bread. And Peter, Peter says, uh, we got this boy's lunch. That's what we got. And, uh, and Jesus, as soon as he hears that, he says, then have him sit down. Right? It didn't take a lot. It didn't take a lot. Jesus was ready. He already knew. He knew they were going to find the lunch. And he knew that whatever they found, he was going to work with it. He was going to work with it. So here's the thing. There's a small little bulletin, bullet point in your notes, and I think it's good, but I'm going to tell you there's some things that I see here that, that aren't in the notes, and that's this. Jesus uses what we have, right? He didn't say, he said, where are we going to get it? And they, they said, well, it's going to cost a lot. He didn't say, well, you guys better start a capital campaign then really quickly because we're going to need this, right? He, he didn't. He just said, what, what do we have? Right? And somebody said, we got this. Jesus, all we got is this little fish and bread. That's all we got. And he's like, okay, well, I'm sit down then. We're ready to go. If that's what we got, we're ready to go. You and I have to be willing to use what we have, even as insignificant as it looks, even as insignificant as we feel. Listen, I told someone this morning, I said, I still get nervous when I stand here. Because I know how little I have. But I know what God does with it. If I'll step into this, this moment right here, right now, I've watched him do it many times over. I know that I am not the smartest bulb in the room. I get that. But I know that God knows how to speak through, right? You have to be willing to give what little you have and let him use it. So the third step in moving from theory to practice is we have to be aware of our motives because motives matter. See, in that last story of the feeding of the 5,000, I know this is going to sound odd, but Jesus didn't really want to feed the 5,000 to get into the Guinness Book of World Records. He wasn't trying to start that. He wasn't trying to have a mega synagogue in his day. He wasn't trying to get notoriety with his rabbi peers of the day, right? He wasn't trying to build a social media presence. He didn't think that he might run for office one day. None of the above, right? Jesus did it because he simply loved them. And here's the thing is, we don't, this may be the most important thing I've read in these notes, and that is this. We don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we have been converted. See, if you and I somehow think of loving our neighbors as the first step of evangelism and we're going to like get them as a check mark, we're going to stamp them on the side of our vehicle like a fighter pilot, you know, got a conversion, we got an ace, boom. If we think we're going to do that, right, they can read through that. I'm telling you, I've watched people, like, they can tell, like, people are after them. They, they want to tell them about Jesus so they can lead them to Christ right now. And that isn't it. Like, we have to love them because Christ loved us, right? That's the point. That's why we love people. That's why we serve people. That's why we, we serve our community through trunk or treat or anything else. We don't do it because we think, man, if we could do this, we could build our children's ministries 
I know Kate, and that is not what she thinks, right? Kate knows that the way we love kids is to love kids. And that if we love kids, God will do a thing, not only in their hearts, but in their parents' hearts. Because that's what he does. We love them, and he does his thing, right? And so we love because we've been loved. We love because we've been converted, not to convert them. They are not the next notch on our belt. So my last step is this, is that if we're going to move from theory into practice, we have to practice the golden rule. Most people know this. Even non-believers know the golden rule. Matthew 7, 12. I, I memorized it in the King James because I memorized it when I was little. Whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you also unto them. Right? The reality is what do you want? What you want someone to do, right, is you do that. So what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? If you think of that in reverse, let's think about that. And this is the interactive part of today, right? So if you've been snoozing, you got to wake up now, right? How would you like to be approached as a neighbor? If you can remember back to when you weren't in church, when you didn't know Christ, right? How did you want someone to approach you in love? You're like me. You didn't want to be a notch in someone else's belt. So what would it look like? This is a real question for you to answer out loud. So you can just shout it out. Those of you who like to shout things out in church, woo, this is your moment, right? So how? What's a a real way, right? How do we love our neighbors? What's a real practical way? Anybody? Nice, making brownies for neighbors. Uh, I will be moving close to you soon. What else? Be interested in them and ask them questions, right? Yeah, that's good. What else? Feed their cats. Listen, if I fed anybody's cats, I would love them. I would, because I wouldn't feed a cat. But I wouldn't love a neighbor. Good. What else? What's a real practical expression of what this looks like to love other people, whether they're your next door neighbor or they're someone, their neighbor in the cubicle next door? Help them do a project. That's good. See a need and help. Yes. Talk to them. Yes. Sorry? Talk about their dogs. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You know what I do to love on people is I pick on their kids. I know you're thinking, what? I do. Case, watch me do it. But I will like go up to and I'll go like, it'll be like two little girls. In fact, there's um, a couple of the girls here is I'll go up to them and go, 
hey, boys, how are you? And when I do, like, their parents get the biggest grin, right, on their face. And the girls go like, we're not boys. You know, I've been doing this for years. But then I just, then I engage in conversation with the, the girls, right? Because a lot of times we talk to their parents and we try to, like, not see them down here. Right? Especially if you're in my generation and up because children are supposed to be seen and not heard, all that kind of stuff. Right? But the reality is that if you will engage people's kids, it makes a difference with the parents. It does. Right? We love, uh, love kids. What else? These are great ideas. What else? Help them move in. Kid, are you moving soon? Okay. Just, I was just like going to try and funnel you some people right there. What else? Help people move in. What else? Let them use your tools. That is true love, isn't it? (laughs) That is true love. (laughs) What else? Yes. Offer to babysit. That's great. I love that. So I had a neighbor, um, man, I don't know, three houses ago, four houses ago, um, when we lived in Denver, and when I would go on vacation, I would always come home and my, mowed, my yard was mowed. Every time I went on vacation, I would come home. He had mowed my yard. And uh, it was just crazy, um, just the things that he would do for us. And we would try to reciprocate. He would never go on many vacations. I don't know if he'd like the way I mowed. Maybe that was it. But because he, he could do that whole cross cut thing and I just kind of like stay in a line maybe he's like if I go on vacation he's going to straight line my yard and I don't want to do that but there's always that uh, there's a new thing in our culture I'm not really accustomed to it I'm kind of growing it's growing on me but this whole friends giving right it says you're in right I, I've, it's not just thanksgiving for families it's, it's for your friends right it, and so there's that um, you know you can do things you can uh, have a game night, invite your neighbors over, you can text them. Uh, I text people all the time. I, I, I have a long commute. I ride um, to work, and so I pray. And so if people, someone comes to my mind while I'm riding along, I used to text and drive. I don't do that anymore. Uh, my new vehicle, I can actually push that little button and tell it, Siri, will you please text Paul Terbetsky and tell him I love him. He looks good today, right? I can do that. But I used to not be able to do that. But anyway, the, the reality is like you, that you can do things, right, to your neighbor, to express love and care. Because why? Because we would want that done for us, wouldn't we? I mean, everything you guys said are the things that you would want someone to be willing to express, a simple act of kindness to express love and care. So this morning, we are going to do that very thing. So I'm going to ask you to do something for me. And I promise you, this is going to be one of the best days in church you've ever had. This may be the last time they ever let me preach. I'm going to ask you, would everyone please take just a moment, and would you take out your cell phones? I'm serious. Take out your cell phone, open it up to a text. Right? So the idea behind this, what would you want people to do for you? So I told you before that I was on staff with Grace for a lot of years. And we come to the month of October and it's pastor appreciation. And what we don't 
really do a lot over the years is, you know, we weren't needy pastors. We didn't need a lot of affirmation, though I would tell you it's good for pastors to get an affirmation. And I'll tell you who it's most good for, their families. See, the pastor, most of our staff never really needed the pat on the back, but the, what the pat on the back does for their families is amazing, right? It says, wow, those people really love my dad or they really love my mom. And so um, what I'd like to do this morning with your help is I would like to blow up Pastor Sam's phone. So I'm going to ask you to put the number up there. If you don't already have Pastor Sam's cell phone. And by the way, uh, so I did, I didn't, I'm not doing this like totally. I, I did talk to him. He doesn't know what we're doing. But I asked him this. I said, I said, hey, Sam, I said, you know, if anybody ever needs to talk to you, like, would you prefer they like call the office or email you? Or he said, no, just have them text me. Just have them call me or text me. You can give them my number. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> he had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but there you go. So if you don't have Pastor Sam's cell number, that's it right there. And I would say that if you just open up a text, you can say anything you want to him. Um, tell him you love him. Tell him you miss him. Tell him happy anniversary. Um, tell him he's a lucky duck. That's true, too. That would actually scare him not to... Uh, but don't just send it. We're going to do it all at the same time. Did you already do it? Okay. All right, so when you're ready, just kind of like hold up your phone so I know that you're ready. And we'll, we'll wait. We'll give everybody time to write a nice little message to Sam, right? And then we'll do it. Give it time. We're in no rush. We're still going to beat the Baptist to the cafeteria today, so we're good. Right? Are you ready? Everybody think you're ready? Pretty close? Anybody saying, wait, wait, wait? Anybody like that? We good? All right. One, two, three. This is going to be awesome. What's great is like if he's like actually sitting in a church somewhere today. So let me just finish with this. Good neighboring is not about insurance. Good neighboring is about helping to create a sense of community where life is shared, people are affirmed, and love is experienced. Invite your neighbors over for a meal. We invited, we did this, uh, uh, we moved uh, two years ago, and I guess it was last Christmas maybe, we invited uh, all of our neighbors. The funniest thing, uh, most of our neighbors are, um, they're all retired and um, uh, the ones directly behind us are like in their 90s. But we invited all of our neighbors to dinner uh, around Christmas time just to say, hey, we love you. You know, the funny thing is, is they all check on us now. Like, like, the, like if it's a storm outside, they call us, are you okay? I'm like, no, no, are you okay? Right? Well, we saw the storm. We want to check on, make sure you guys are okay. I'm like, well, I'm thinking to myself, 
you're 90-something years old. If I wasn't okay, what would you do? <laughs> I... But it's this idea of expressing love and expressing care, having fun together. You and I can be neighbors to one another. That's awesome. But I'm telling you, when we look like Christ is when we're being neighbors to people that don't know him. And as much as I want you to be my neighbor and be nice to me and be nice to one another, more than anything else, I want you to be the hands and the feet of Christ when you walk out this door today. I don't know who you're going to run into. I don't know what the circumstances of their life are but you are the closest thing to Christ that they are going to reach in that, in that moment. And if you and I will not be Christians, right? Be disciples. If we will be disciples and we will love and we will love as we have been loved, then they will experience what transformed you and I. And that's the most amazing thing. You want to know how it the body of Christ grows by you and I loving as he loved us. You want to know how church grows? You and I loving as he loved us. You want to know how lives are transformed? You and I loving as he loved us. That's how it all happens is us doing that. It has been my privilege to uh, exhort you today. I don't feel like I've preached a sermon. I feel like I've talked to my family feel like we've rallied the family to touch our neighbors. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray over you before we go. Um, Pastor Sam always prays a blessing, but and I'm going to do that too, but it's going to be a little different than his. And, um, and I would want to say to you as well, if you're here this morning and you have you know, we didn't talk about having needs among ourselves today, but that's every Sunday. There's a need here this morning, and you you came in a little challenged in one area or another, and you'd like for someone to pray with you before you leave. That would be our privilege. So please don't do that without stopping by and talking to me or Pastor Kate or some of our elders. Let us pray for you. But this morning, let me just pray over you as we go. Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you, Lord, that, God, you reached out with love to us when we were unlovely. God, I remember what I looked like, uh, and I know who I could be if it wasn't for your love. And so, Lord, today I'm thankful that you sent people, not just one time, but many times across my path so that I could become who I am today loved by you. So Lord, I pray that you would use us. God, maybe we're the first and maybe we're the hundredth, but God, I pray that you would use us. Allow us to see the needs in people's lives, not just the physical needs, but Lord, allow us to see the neediness in their hearts. Lord, help us to move with action. God, to love them in practical ways, not doctrinal ways, but in practical ways. Lord, let us be your hands and your feet today. God, open our eyes to see people, not just in the 
next 30 minutes after this sermon, but all throughout the week, that we might see lives transformed. God, I pray for these, that as they step out of the boat, God, with a little bit of faith, God, I pray that you would meet them with the miraculous to impact others. God, go with us this week, we pray. In your favor, we leave here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.